the bathroom where she hands me a cup of coffee and my day starts to get better and brighter. But before she, we go off and get our cup of coffee and we start thinking about contemplating our day, we know what you're supposed to have and get up and take time to spend with the Lord. And I'll be honest, you know, it kind of seems like lately that maybe Christy and I have been hitting that snooze button a little bit too much. You know, it's the first thing to get sacrificed. Your time with God. When we can't get out of bed, when we don't have that right perspective of the day that lies before us, we run out of time. The kids have to get to school. Lunches have to be made. Breakfast has to be made. We still have to get dressed. We still need a shower. Well, I guess the devotional time is optional. It's not supposed to be that way. In fact, we devastate ourselves when we don't take the time to spend with God. Like I just said in Psalms 5.3, in the, in the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Isaiah 50, verse 4, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue to know, what the, to know the word that sustains the weary, the word, God's word that sustains us and strengthens us. He wakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear like one being taught. God wakens us to hear from him. You see, because we spend time with God, we have this encouragement. We have the sustaining energy that we need for our day. But most importantly, we need to hear from the one that loves us. Because God so drastically and radically loves us. We should be spending the time with him to hear from him, to be in the word, and to grow in him. My dad and I have a pretty close relationship. Sometimes I just need to pick up the phone and hear from him and just, Really what I want to hear is just, I love you. The day that my parents go to be with Jesus is going to be a really hard day because I love hearing from my father. Brothers and sisters, we definitely need to hear from the Lord every single day in order for us to be sustained, to spend time with the one that loves us so that we can in turn demonstrate the love that he has shown to us to others. It's essential. After we spend some time with the Lord, reading our devotional, studying His Word and praying, we, it's time to move on with our days, right? Going into the shower, standing before the mirror. Because God loves me, I look in the mirror differently. We all have those thoughts. As we look into the mirror and we see the reflection staring back at us, those thoughts of, man, I just wish I didn't have that nose. Or maybe my eyes were a different color. Or, man, I just don't like my smile. If my lips would have been a little differently, if my, if my teeth were, were different, if there was just different things about me, and then all of a sudden, we, this morning in which we've begun by keeping and focused on God and desiring to walk with God and hear from God, we're looking in the mirror, and we don't like the image staring back at us, and all of a sudden, God goes from hero to chump as he's made us wrong. 
No, God loves us. And he made us exactly the way he wanted us. Hear the words again from Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. This is a passage about King Saul. Why was King Saul made king? Because he was a handsome-looking fellow. And he was big, and he was brawny. And people thought, wow. He's going he's gonna to lead people. He's going to walk into the room and the girls are going to go, ooh. And the guys are going to go, oh, you know. And he was not the leader Israel needed. Because it goes on to say, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. 1 Peter 3, 3 and 4, do not let your adorning be external, the abrading of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. And let's not forget Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Brothers and sisters, God made you in his image. You are his image bearers. And when we look in the mirror and when we find fault with his creative work, we reject that love he so powerfully lavishes to us. It is not prideful and it is not arrogant to accept who you are and how God made you. It is not wrong. I tell my girls all the time they're beautiful. I want my girls growing up when they look in the mirror to see themselves as God's beautiful creation. I want my boys when they grow up, they know they're handsome, they know they're strong, they know that they're men God has made them to be. Because the world's going to throw enough at us, telling us we need to look a certain way. There's only one mold that everybody's supposed to take shape into, but God says, I love diversity. I demonstrate my love to you in my diversity. So you may not look like everybody else. Praise God. Because the way you look and the way God shaped you and made you, the eyes, your nose, your smile, your hair, or lack thereof. Because God loves you. Please don't forget that. So as you wake up in the morning, your day, the outlook, the perspective of your day is different because you're loved by God. Your time that you spend in the morning is different because you spend time with the one who loves you. The one who cares for you. Your perspective as you look in the mirror, as you're getting ready for the day, as you get dressed, brothers and sisters, get dressed in a way that honors and glorifies the Father, the one who made you. 
He treasures you. He treasures your body. And I know the perspectives out there, especially it's a struggle for women even more than men. God treasures you and your body is a gift for God and the one he meant for you to spend the rest of your life with. Treasure it. Demonstrate God's love as, the, as you adorn yourself, as you get up and get dressed in the morning. And guys, we can dress appropriately too. I'm still struggling with this whole skinny jean thing. Somebody's going to have to talk to me about that. I don't see how you can do any kind of work in a pair of skinny jeans without splitting something clean from where you're wearing. But maybe I'm just getting old. Possibly. But seriously, the way we are doing ourselves need to show that we treasure what God has given us. So we move on. We're dressed for the day. We've gotten ourselves put together. We got the makeup on. We got the hair done. And we're heading out to deal with what waits for us in the kitchen. Now, in our household, that means facing four children, which one of them is bound to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Usually more than one, but at least one. And, and you start to engage, and, and, and that morning, and they walk out, and they're grumpy. They won't talk to you when you're talking to them. You've just had this amazing quiet time. You've just had this wonderful time as you're looking at your day and seeing all of God's possibilities. You walk into the kitchen, and they're like, right? And so our first reaction is to flush everything we just learned and just talked about with God and respond appro- or equally with, you need to quit your attitude. You need to be grateful. We struggle with our kids. Every once in a while, I need to be reminded of Psalm 127. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. I'm to be reminded that in Ephesians 5 and 6, I'm supposed to not exacerbate, basically bring my children to the point of wrath because of my actions towards them. Because God loves me, I can help my kids through the messiness that they're going through. When they push back, when they say hurtful things, this week... (laughs) Something has struck my daughter, Catherine, full of fear. Don't know what it is. But starting basically last Sunday night, our daughter started losing sleep. Culminated, probably the worst part of it was Christy up with her till 4.30 in the morning as she is screaming at my wife, I hate you. I don't want to be part of your family. 4.30 in the morning. And because God loves Christy, Christy in turn just grabs and holds Catherine. She speaks to her in loving, kind words. No anger in her tone. Catherine is able to eventually fall asleep with mom at the watch. Because God loves Christy, Christy can love Catherine. It changes those relationships. It changes how we address our children. 
Maybe you walk out not to the sound of pitter-patter feet on the the floors or kids running around the kitchen or waking kids up. Maybe you walk out and it's just the two of you, your husband and wife, and they're just unable to enjoy a nice breakfast together. But sometimes we all have those conversations the night before that should have been reconciled and taken care of, but wasn't, and it carries over to the next morning. Always makes for a fun breakfast because you're sitting there across from each other, not even making eye contact and just kind of glaring at each other and and I'm not going to give in. They were wrong, and I'm not going to do anything until they confess they were wrong. And instead of having a wonderful, joyous morning together, it's filled with silence, anger. When the Bible says, men, God loved you, and God loves you, and so you need to love your wife as he loved the church. And the Bible says, women, that you're supposed to submit to your husband. And then if there's any confusion whatsoever, it's Colossians 3. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. We're to love one another, sacrificially, willing to work through the hard things together. Because in your marriage, you display God's love to the world. The evil one loves going after and destroying Christian marriages. Loves it. I don't think we understand the devastation to our society. And I'm not just talking the church. I'm talking across society as a whole. With the rise of divorce rates and families not staying together. Marriage is at the very heart and at the very foundation of a strong society. Look at the studies. They will show that I am speaking the truth. We have to sacrificially love each other and teach the world what it is to have strong marriages. So those morning breakfasts can be a joyful delight and so we can reflect the love that God has shown to us. Maybe, maybe you wake up in the morning to no one else in your home. Maybe it's to silence. Maybe a bit of loneliness. Maybe you may be sitting there with your spouse, but you're spiritually single and your spouse doesn't know the Lord and so your heart is aching. The Bible says in Psalm 38, 9, Oh, Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. In Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. In Psalm 145, 18, the Lord is near to all who call him, to all who call him in truth. And your loneliness, cry out to God. Nobody else in the room, no reason to pray silently. Talk to, talk to your Father who loves you. Be encouraged that God has a plan for you. And he is with you in every moment. And let me encourage you. For those single folks that don't have that 
support network, you know God in a way that I don't. You know God in an intimate way that I don't. And it's powerful. As you lean on him, wholly lean on him, and then trust in him, he will reveal himself to you in ways that he won't reveal to me because I'm kind of distracted with a wife and four kids. You see, no matter what situation or circumstance we walk out into in the morning, we see God's love at work in our lives. And because God loves us, no matter what situation you're in, those moments are changed. We head off out the door to whatever activities holds our day. To some it's to work, to some it's to school. To some, it's to other activities that God has planned out for you or your parents have planned out for you or other things going on. And as you head out the door, and I don't know about you, I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in this, but as I head out the door, usually about five minutes out from the house, it hits. What I've forgotten, and it's usually something, and then it usually followed up with me hitting my hand on the steering wheel, and the kids go, what did you forget this time, Dad? You forget something about that day. You forget something or you start getting realized that everything that's going on in the day and all the, all the events that need to get accomplished, work events, home events, things start piling up in your mind as you're driving to work. And all of a sudden, once again, we're faced with that moment where we can either relish the morning that we've had, relish how God has shown his love to us, how we have this incredible perspective on this day, how wonderful God has made us. We're relishing the fact that we've got to spend time with him. We've got these incredible relationships with him or with each other. Whatever took place that morning, you've got all this amazingness happen. And all of a sudden, your day gets overwhelmed. And we can face with that moment, we're going to flush all that stuff once again. Or are we going to say, you know what? God is, God's love is amazing. Psalm 34, 4, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. And John 14, 27, I love this passage. If you're ever feeling discouraged, Jesus gives his final instruction to the disciples in John's chapters 14, 15, and 16. And he's given this final instruction to them. He says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Jesus is not going to be there physically present with them much longer And he says, peace, I'm out of here, but I'm giving you my peace. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Of Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Brothers and sisters, the word of God exists for you to apply it to your life. And maybe this morning you're sitting here and for the first time you realized how practical the Bible is. I hope so. I really hope so. Because sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, we turn the Bible into something to be studied but not lived. And those feelings of anxiety and those feelings of worry that we're creeping up our spine as we're driving down the road for the day ahead, subside. Because God loves me. It will be okay. He will help me to lead and guide me through this day. Remember, if I go to the depths of Sheol, he is there with me. 
lunchtime or getting there nearabouts. I love lunch. Lunch is a great time. For some people, this is their perspective of lunchtime. I can't believe it's already time to work through my lunch. What does it mean for God to love us and for us to have lunch? How does being a child of God, how does being loved by God change the way in which we eat lunch? Great question. Glad you asked. We're reading, uh, going through a devotional book in our gospel community, uh, 30 Days and 101 Ways for Missional Life. Tom brought up in the group, he said, one of the ways in which I can do this is eating with other people. And when he said that, I was like, yeah. And I didn't realize how profound of a statement that was. Because I too, I've got an office here. But guess what? My office is going away. It's going to turn into a library. We're going to have books in there if you want to come in and do some studying. I'll be in there occasionally. An office for me is an excuse to withdraw and have my lunch alone. And have my lunch in isolation. And have lunch by me, myself, and I. I do need a place to study, but there's a lot of different places I can study. So I'm going to open up my office to make it a library for other people to come in to pray. Also to pray and go in there and pray and to study. we got some fantastic books in there. I've accumulated quite a library. We have some good books from the church that we got in there as well. But I've been very convicted. Thank you, Tom. That I can't be that person because God loves me. And according to the word of God... The world knows of God's love by me being out in the world demonstrating that love to them. So I can't hide here and expect to show the world God's love if I'm in my four walls by myself, closed off. So lunchtime should look a little more like this. Now, I'll be honest with you, I look at that picture and my heart picks up speed. Think about, I mean... Oh, my land. Sitting out on a beam like that over, I mean, that's not six inches off the ground, folks, okay? That's craziness. But they're out there having lunch. They're talking about stuff. They're hanging out. And you know what? I've been part of lunches like that. I've been on lunches in Iraq. When the the colonel says, you know what? We're going to eat lunch out today. Lunch out today in Iraq has a different connotation. Okay, then we have here in the States. You think lunch out in the States is we're going to go to you know, Olive Garden or McDonald's or something like that. No, that means that the colonel has got you in his PSD, his personal security days. I'm rolling around with him. He's going to take the strikers and they're going to go to the little, the little hut that makes, what are they called? Uh, Flaffles. Flaffles, right? And they, 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 you're going to buy some of these with the Iraqi dinar. And the colonel's going to take the strikers, and it's going to be an empty lot big enough that you're going to circle up the strikers in a, in a protective formation, and you're going to orient the 50 cows and guns outward. And the colonel and all of us are going to sit down and have waffles together and eat. That's not a safe conversation. And I mean not safe because you're in Iraq and in a war zone, but because of what's going to take place and what people are going to talk about. You see, there's going to be some words dropped, probably a lot of them. There's going to be some topics of discussion that that are going to perplex you. It's not a safe place to have a conversation. And they're going to watch 
to see how the chaplain or the Christian responds. And if we're so worried about changing their actions or their topics of discussion, rather than changing their hearts, we will lose them and lose the opportunity to speak with them. Because if you think they talk rough when they're sitting around having lunch, you should try it when there's true crisis in their life. They will talk really rough. But I want them to have that conversation with me. So I'm willing to have unsafe lunches. I want to have unsafe lunches. I want to get stretched and be out there on that limb. Guys are out there smoking. Guys are out there doing other stuff. And you know what? They need Jesus. And how are they to know if I don't live out in front of them? John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And 1 Peter 2, 12. I know somebody's going to argue with me that the neighbor is just other Christians. We'll arm wrestle over this, but you can't argue this one away. 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. How are they going to know of your actions and if they're honorable or not if you are not living out amongst them? Brothers and sisters, a simple thing is breaking bread and having lunch can radically alter the eternal destination of your friends and coworkers. Do you believe that? We should. God loves us. God changed us. God loves others. He's in the business of renewing and restoring others. Are we going to be willing to have those unsafe conversations? We like hanging out with Christians. There's unwritten rules. There's written rules. There's both. We know where conversations shouldn't go with Christians. We're protected. We can have a safe, nice conversation with Christians. But with the world, they don't have our laws and our rules. But it's the way in which we love them to be in and out amongst them. We're not of the world. We're not to join in the world's sin. But we are to be present. Okay. It's 5:41 and 3 seconds. Okay? I'm telling you what. Ethan Ethan said it was a very fitting shirt for like a, a Jack Bauer type sermon, okay? Military time. Yes. End of the day, 5 o'clock, 5.41, the end of the day is wrapping up. Your events, your work, your school, your activities, sports, things are coming to a close. You're on your way home, and guess what's on your mind? A lot of things. Isn't it amazing as you get close to the end of your day how it picks up speed? And you start realizing i got more and more and more and more and more stuff to do as you get towards the end of the day. 
You got a house that's a disaster. You got a garage that's a mess. You got kids that got to get homework done. You got gardening that needs to be done. You got laundry that either needs to be folded or it's folded. Our problem in our house is we fold it. Getting it in drawers for some reason is a hurdle <laughs> that you walk up to it. You just keep walking up to it. But now that we're going to put the house, oh, but I forgot to tell you guys last week, just in case to kill the rumor mill and everything else, our house is going on the market. We're going to sell our home. We live, on, we live down on the river. You know, if anybody wants to buy a house in the river, please can let us know. We're going to sell our home to move into town. Because I believe, and my wife believes right there with me, that we need to be in our community to reach our community. I want to be staring at my neighbor's house. I'll be praying for my neighbor. I want to be interacting with my neighbor. Down there, i got like three neighbors that stay there year-round. And they don't like to talk to anybody because they moved out there because they didn't want to talk with people. So it makes a little bit of a challenge. So we're going to sell our home, okay? Isaac's getting all my wood. Yes? Yes. I talked to your husband yesterday. <laughs> Wash me. Got a car that's dirty. That's embarrassing when kids write that. Kids don't do that because you know it's still going to be another month before that car gets washed and you're driving around town and you got all these things on your mind, right? All of these things going on in your mind as you're thinking about what's going to take place at the end of the day, and you're getting a little bit spun up, and you're like, okay, it's already 541 if the kids go down at this time, or if I get this activity done, I could get to this one, get to this one, but I'd still like to get bed at a decent time because I'm still tired from the previous night. All of these things are going through your head, and you're feeling it just worn out. I mean, it's been a great day. Had an amazing morning with God. You had this time with God in which you had your quiet time. You're, You're loving how God made you. All these wonderful things running through your head. The most amazing conversation happened at lunch. Tom, he's got this stuff going on in his life, and he started to share a little bit of it with you. Awesome. And Sheila, she's got a lot going on. And you're just thinking about all these things. Wow, God, you're an amazing God doing all these things. But now all of a sudden, we're getting overwhelmed at the end of the day. And then to make matters worse, ding, ding, ding on the phone. And it's either a text message, which I think are worse, or a phone call. And the reason I think a text message is worse because you don't know the tone. Robert and I, when we're texting each other, have started helping each other out with tone. He actually said in a high-pitched voice, da-da-da-da, and gave me the text message. <laughs> I appreciated that because now I understood how to receive the text message. That helps. But with texts and phone calls, all of a sudden you, you, you get one. And and on the other end is someone in need, someone in crisis, maybe someone you're not even getting along with very well. And your world is getting erupted. You've got all these other things to get done. And now this person has invaded your space, has invaded your life. You don't have time for this. You've got other things going on. And maybe your spouse feels this way. Maybe, you know, Christy gets, because I've done it, Christy gets this phone call. We've got all these things going on dinner. I'm like... Christy's going to get ready to cook dinner, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and I'm like, you know, I start getting upset because I know what's going to happen. She's walking out of the kitchen. I'm going into the kitchen. Now I'm not getting my stuff done, so she can go handle whatever has happened. People have invaded our lives. We don't have time for this. I have other things that are more important. Ephesians 4, Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, 
eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In Colossians 3.12, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Really? I don't have time for compassion right now. I got other stuff to do. Kindness. Seriously? Humility? Okay. Come on now. Meekness and patience? Oh, don't pray. Oh, patience. Not that word. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must. I, I don't like that word. Can we erase that word, that must word? It's not optional to forgive. Reuben, I don't like that. I have to forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. I want to pause here and talk for a second. We're not very good at something in our church. When we have people in crisis, we're faced with kind of two options. We had some really good discussion in our gospel community this week on people versus projects. When faced with a person who's in crisis and we are busy and have a lot of things going on in our lives, we are more likely to treat people as projects. We'll listen long enough to come up with the solution that's needed for their lives and then we will fix them so that we can check that box and we can move on. How many of you like to be treated like a project? Me neither. I want people to treat me like a person. We need to treat each other as people. What is the difference? Well, we talked about that quite a bit in our group. What actions make it different when we treat people versus a person or a project? And one of them was time. You see, when we're going to go help someone or be with someone or treat somebody as a person, we're committing time to that person. They're not something that we're checking off our box. We're willing to have the long conversation and we're willing for that conversation to continue and continue and continue and have that conversation over the next several days and they're going to repeat themselves. They're going to tell you the same story over again. And it's your opportunity to get the details of that story right so that when they, you get the opportunity to speak, you tell them what they just told you so that they know you were listening and you truly care about them and they're not just somebody you're checking off your list. But in order to do that, we have to listen well. And brothers and sisters, that's what we don't do very well. To listen well means that we take time to engage. We take time 
to respond. We are in desperate need of a people, of a church that treats others well and treats people as people and not projects. Do me a favor. If you don't have time to engage, if you're not in the mindset to listen, and if you're not in the mindset to demonstrate God's love, tell the person that you can't meet with them. Because you will do like I have done and cause more damage by hurting someone even deeper because I wasn't ready to take the time. And I wasn't ready to treat them as a person who needed to be loved. I wasn't ready to treat them the way God treats and loves me. But don't just view them as as a hurdle and a barrier to today. View them as your day. God woke you up that morning for that call. God woke you up that morning so you could interact in their life and so that you could show the love of God to them in that moment. They're not a hindrance. They're the purpose for the day. And all of a sudden, that conversation turns from being something that is overwhelming and a problem to being joyful, even if it isn't solved, even if the person gets off the phone still in tears, still in crisis, if you listened and you poured out your love and maybe you prayed for them, maybe you didn't, whatever option, whatever thing was opened up to you, but you were there. And the next time you see them, you're going to be asking about how's Tommy, Susie doing? How's, how's this situation in your life? How are you dealing with that hurt? You were crying. Did you get any rest? Or you calling in the next morning. You're calling them the next morning going, Reengaging them and they're shocked because last night for sure they thought you were going to be a burden. They were going to be a burden to you. They know your life's busy. They know you got things going on. And so when you take the time to listen to them and pour into them, for you to call the next morning, I'm just checking in with you. Last night it ended kind of rough and I was just making sure you're okay. Or maybe you're in a disagreement with someone and you're the first person that's going to say, you know what, please forgive me. And you're going to surrender your rights. I hear I've hurt you in this and this and this way. Brothers and sisters, let us learn to listen to each other well because God listens to us. Do we hear that? We can approach the throne of grace in our hour of need. God is listening to us. How dare us not listen to one another? It's in those conversations and those times of listening we open up incredible doors for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be lived out and to be spoken. Don't miss that. We're going to spend more time talking about that in the coming weeks. The gospel is not just spoken, but the gospel is lived. Conversation is over. We're back to the kids. Dinner is done. I got Kyle sitting up here in the front row for a service saying, yeah, that's way too early for bedtime for me. (laughs) We've approached the end of our night. The time has come for us to go to sleep and get some rest. There's still a lot to be done. 
there's still more things that we can add to our day, but we need the rest in order to be prepared for tomorrow. I love the Jewish mindset. Have you, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but in the creation account, how does it close out each day? And the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. You see, the Jewish mindset, tomorrow begins tonight at sundown. It's like how they celebrate the Sabbath. Sabbath doesn't begin Sunday, Saturday morning. Sabbath begins Friday night, sundown. They had an understanding that tonight's rest, tonight's night, helps me for the day ahead tomorrow. Because when we don't get the right sleep we need, we're not able to have the right perspective. Psalm 4.8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. In Psalm 3, 5, and 6, I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me round about. Folks, he's able to get some sleep, and when he wakes up the next morning, the ten thousands are ten thousands and not millions. Does that make sense? When we have the wrong sleep, when we don't get enough rest, we don't take care of our bodies, our problems are magnified by a hundredfold. Mark 6, 31, 32, Jesus gives an example of the necessity of rest because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus tells his disciples that Sabbath was made for man and not man for Sabbath, meaning that God intends for us to get the rest we need to get restored and get refreshed. He loves us. God takes care of us by providing what we need. We need to be wise and get the rest we need. We're going to make mistakes as we go throughout our days. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to miss our quiet time. We're not going to handle the kids the way we should have handled them. We're going to isolate ourselves instead of going out, being light in life to our communities. When those calls come, we're going to see caller ID and we're going to... But the grace of God and the love of God abounds so that we can confess those things to God in those areas of our life that we are not living out his love and wake up the next day and get back at it again. That's the beauty about God's love and his grace. It is overflowing and limitless. How do we know if we've listened well during our day One of the things I've learned, if I've listened well, it changes my prayer life at night. My wife and I have committed to be praying with each other whenever we're together. And when we're apart, we're still praying for each other, but not together every night. If I've listened well that day, I will find in my prayers that I am praying for the details of the conversations that I've had. I don't view people as a project to get done, but rather people to love and to pray for and to cover in prayer. How does your night close out?
does it close out by the exemplification of God's love in it? You see, brothers and sisters, because God loves us, every detail of our lives is impacted and is affected. We have a different outlook and a different perspective. Schoolwork has a different perspective. Our jobs have a different perspective. All because God loves us. Are we being a reflection of that love? Please join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I thank you so much that our love does change our lives. It changes who we are. Please, Father God, continue to work on each and every one of us. And may we gain the perspective of our days as one loved by God. In Jesus' name we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.